What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this forecasting video, I tell you why I think the upcoming decade will be awesome for dividend investors. I'll also tell you reasons why I could be wrong in order to present a balanced overall view of things. But first I want to shout out the new folks who've joined my channel membership. So thank yous go out to Brett Cherry, Daryl Keffer, and Jeff Ernst. I consider all you guys my OG channel members and I really appreciate you for joining. Okay, let's get into it. So this morning when I woke up, I got a notification that Home Depot announced a 7.7% dividend hike. I've been investing for a long time and yet it still gives me a shot of dopamine each time I get a dividend hike. I had run a poll on my Twitter X account asking people to guess how much Home Depot would hike their dividend and about 59% of people correctly guessed that it would be between 5 and 10% so the majority got it right. Home Depot is only 1.24% of my portfolio but their hike will increase my Home Depot payout from $209 a quarter to $225 a quarter. That might not sound like much but each increase adds up over time. Like if I look at my Home Depot dividends I got this decade, then starting in March of 2020 I got one for 141 bucks, and since I had my drip on, my June 2022 payment was for 142 bucks, and the next quarter it was at 143 bucks, then 144 bucks, then they did their annual hike and my next payment was 165 bucks, and then I retired and I turned off all my drips. So my next three Home Depot payouts stayed at $165 each, and then they did their annual dividend hike taking me up to $190, and I stayed there for a year until their next hike taking me to $209 a payout. And then a year later we come to the hike I just talked about taking me up to $225 a quarter. So in just four years I went from $141 a quarter from Home Depot to now $225 a payout, almost all of which came from dividend hikes other than a few bucks that came from my drip before I was retired. I posted about that Home Depot dividend hike on the community tab of my YouTube channel and a longtime subscriber named More Sugar Trader CC commented that he's held Home Depot for a long time and it's been a winner for him. And he always appreciates getting an increase in income for doing nothing other than owning the stock. Doing nothing yet still winning is a hallmark of good dividend stocks and it reminds me of that Charlie Munger quote that says, investing is where you find a few great companies and then sit on your ass. That passive nature of dividend stocks, both in holding them and in collecting income, is part of why I love them so much. Another reason is because dividends have long been a material portion of total stock market returns in pretty much all markets around the world over most periods of time. Like this McKenzie investment site says that dividends have accounted for 43% of total returns in the US equity markets from 1900 to 2020 and have been an even larger portion of returns in international markets. This data from Bloomberg found that dividends contributed to 37% of total returns of the SP500 from 1927 to 2023. And this TLC advisory site found that dividends have averaged 59% of the market's total return from 1930 to 2020. You'll see variance in these percentages due to different dates selected and due to different assumptions they make, but whether dividends are 40% or 6% of returns, they're usually quite a bit. However, from 2010 to 2020, dividends contributions to total returns slipped to only around 15% in the US. That's because in bull markets when stocks are shooting up, then dividends contribute less to total returns, and in bear markets where stocks are falling, then dividends count for more. If we dive into that TLC site, then we can see a breakdown of stock returns by decades, i.e. how much came from stock appreciation versus how much came from dividends. This says in the 1930s, stocks fell almost 42%, but dividends returned 56%, for a total 10-year return of 14%, which means 100% of returns in that entire decade came from dividends, on average. Imagine what a tough time in the markets that would have been. Then a similar thing happened again from 2000 to 2010 due to the dot-com crash and the financial crisis where stocks fell 24% over those 10 years, though dividends returned 15% for a total negative 9% return. So it was a tough time to be an investor, but at least dividends gave you something. And what I take from this data is that dividends give in all markets, and the worse the decade, the more material dividends become. Like from 2010 to 2020, we had an awesome bull run, with stocks appreciating almost 190%, and dividends returned about 67% for a total return of 257%. Stocks went up so much since the market crashed so hard in the financial crisis right before. So that's looking backward, but what about looking forward? 
Well, the McKenzie Investment Site said that they think the market will return back to a 40% to 50% dividend contribution amount that's been more in line with historic averages, which is one reason why I think the next decade may be favorable to dividend investors. So the question I have is, do you think stocks will continue to shoot up quickly, or are we maybe entering another period of protracted returns? I mean, on one hand, I could see how AI and robotics could give us another decade of great market returns. But I could also argue that the national debt has spiraled out of control and eventually will pay that price. I mean, if the U.S.'s debt crisis is severe enough, it could result in a sharp economic slowdown at home, which could then cascade into causing recessions around the world. I imagine our government would go into overdrive again, printing more money to support its expenditures, including its payments just on interest on its debt, which could then lead to inflation all over again, and potentially more inflation that stays higher longer. I mean, in 2023 alone, the U.S. spent more on net interest costs than it did on Medicaid and income security programs. Higher interest costs tend to hurt things like education and infrastructure spending, so the more debt you have, the less you invest in your future. And the higher our debt goes, the more it erodes worldwide confidence in the U.S. dollar. Plus, when we have tons of debt, it leaves us with less flexibility to deal with unexpected events, which might mean more money printing and the downward spiral accelerates. Of course, if the country faces another major recession like we had in 0709, then having all that debt gives us even less good wiggle room. And beyond national debt, we've also seen how the consumer's buying power has gradually been eroding for the average worker compared to what things were like decades ago. For example, last year, the Senior Citizens League, which is a nonpartisan senior advocacy group, released a study that examined the steady loss of purchasing power that our retirees have. They found that Social Security's cost of living increases went up 78% over the last 23 years, but the cost for a typical basket of goods and services purchased by the average retiree jumped by 141% over the same timeline. So the purchasing power of Social Security income for seniors has declined by 36% since 2000. And as buying power wanes, then consumer purchasing patterns shift, especially for discretionary items and even staples can struggle as well. It's pretty clear that top income earners are doing a lot better in our economy than they have historically, but unfortunately the middle class is suffering. And without a strong middle class, we don't see strong spending, which then leads to companies not having the earnings growth that they need to justify stock prices continuing to go up. Plus, if companies aren't seeing much earnings growth, then they also aren't able to increase their dividends like they have historically. So what temper your expectations for what dividend growth rates will be, on average, over the next decade? Still, there'll always be outliers to what's happening to the average company. I mean, I'm long Microsoft, and I bet it'll probably benefit greatly from this age of AI we're entering, and so I'd imagine they'll have both huge stock appreciation and dividend growth over the next decade, recession or not. But then again, I also wouldn't be surprised to see them suffer a correction and then come storming back at some point. There are obviously lots of factors that impact the markets, so predicting what will happen is challenging at best. I mean, who thought Russia would seriously attack Ukraine? Or that a pandemic would effectively shut down the world for years? So are we going to go through a period of sustained higher inflation and higher interest rates? If we do, then I'd imagine that quality stocks would become even more important to own, and in particular many dividend stocks would become even more attractive, as investors look for companies with business models that are able to perform well regardless of market conditions. High inflation can help drive top-line growth for a while, but too much and the consumer is forced to walk away. Or maybe we'll go through a period of low interest rates again, where dividend stock yields have less competition from money market accounts and treasuries and such. Or maybe interest rates will rise, in which case other sources of yield, such as short-term treasury bills and CDs, begin to look more attractive to investors, especially if stocks encounter greater volatility. Stocks would also face competition from longer-term bonds, whose yields would rise as bond prices decline in line with rising interest rates. Investors often compare the dividend yield of a benchmark index like the SP500 to the yield of the U.S. 10-year Treasury to assess the relative attraction of stocks versus bonds. And one question you might be confused about is how interest rates impact dividend stocks. Well, companies that typically have the highest dividend yields are generally in sectors with the heaviest debt loads, such as utilities, telecommunications, and REITs. When interest rates are rising, a company with a high debt load can see its debt servicing costs increase significantly from having to pay out a greater amount of interest, which will have an adverse effect on its profitability. 
Another impact of higher interest rates is what happens to discounted cash flows, which is how a lot of us value companies. Basically, a future earnings stream of 100 bucks has a smaller present value when it's discounted at a higher interest rate. Thus, sensitive interest rate sectors and stocks are more likely to see share prices fall when interest rates go up, and conversely, when interest rates fall, then utilities and REITs and such tend to have more stock appreciation. I mean, historically, stocks perform best when interest rates fell the most, but over the past two decades, things have shifted a bit. Of course, the more rates are up, the more risk I see. But there's always edge cases. Like banks generally pay good dividends, though they also tend to do well when interest rates are rising because rates usually trend higher when the economy is doing well. So as the economy strengthens and the yield curve steepens, then banks' net interest margins improve, which helps their profitability. Hopefully now you can better understand how there are many factors pushing and pulling how stocks will do, and so the most important thing to focus on is quality companies, as those can weather bad times the best. I don't know much, but I do know recessions happen, and I know stock market crashes happen, and the longer that we go on without a big crash, then the more I feel that there will be one right around the corner. And when markets crash and stocks get slammed, us dividend investors just keep walking along, not freaking out at what's happening around us, whether that's crazy interest rates or crazy inflation or crazy low stock prices. Speaking of inflation, Fidelity found that dividends accounted for 54% of stock market returns since the 1930s during decades where inflation was over 5%, like it was in the 1940s, 1970s, and 1980s, versus 40% of returns when inflation was less than 5%. They also found that when inflation has been high, the stocks that have increased their dividends the most have outperformed the overall market. And when inflation is high, rates go high, and still dividend stocks tend to outperform, even outside the U.S. Like here's an article from the Royal Bank of Canada published at the end of 2022 titled, Dividend stocks outperformed the broader market as rates have risen. They said that they saw dividend stocks as a way to achieve outperformance over the broader market, benefiting from the current macro regime of high inflation and slowing growth. They found that over the past 30 years, dividends have accounted for 45% of the total return of the Canadian equity market and 53% of the total return of the U.S. equity market. Continuing on with the Canada theme is the Bank of America's Kwan, who is pitching Canadian stocks as attractive. In a recent research note, she said, Own dividends, own inflation, own Canada. She said that 2024 could be a banner year for dividends as cash yields drop. But a reason why the next decade might not be as good as I'd like is because executives have been favoring buybacks more than they have historically. Execs do buybacks partly because executive compensation is often tied towards achieving certain stock prices, and buybacks lift earnings per share, and when EPS goes up, that also tends to push stock prices up. So the more buybacks management does, the bigger bonuses they tend to get for hitting their corporate goals, bonuses which often come in the form of even more stock options. Buybacks are also happening more due to the relaxed buyback rules that happened in the 80s. But recently a new tax was levied on buybacks, which I think could slowly drive a bit more focus to dividends. Now execs should prefer doing buybacks more when their stock is cheap, so if we do have a huge crash, then buybacks can become even more compelling to them. And if we end up having a big recession, and corporate earnings aren't growing like we'd hope, and unemployment goes up and we get more yield curve inversion, then things could get hairy, though I'd wager good dividend stocks will still outperform. Of course, if inflation goes up and material costs and supply chain costs go up, then that will probably dent dividend growth. Anyway, another reason I think we could be coming up on a decade of the dividend is due to this chart I created of the average SP500 dividend payout ratio over time from 1960 to 2023. What we see is that in 1960, the average payout ratio was over 60%, but then it's been trending down as balance sheets have gotten fatter and companies are cash flowing more. You can see a few times where payout ratios got ugly, most recently in the 2008 financial crisis, but this overall trend down I think bodes well for the long-term health of dividends. And the more it goes down, the more dividend growth can happen, all lending towards why I think a decade of dividend goodness makes sense. Another compelling reason I think dividend stocks will become more attractive has to do with our aging population. I mean, almost half of our population are Gen Xers or older, and as people age, they tend to favor income-producing stocks more than growth-only stocks. 
Couple that with the fact that dividend growth has historically outpaced inflation on average, and you have dividends becoming more relevant to investors in the years ahead. And then this chart showing annualized return of SP500 stocks over the last 30 years or so further makes the case for dividend growing stocks. What you see is that in total, dividend growing stocks average almost 12% annualized returns over that time frame, as compared to a bit under 11% for non-dividend stocks. And then this data from Ned Davis Research from 1973 to 2020 helps also build the case for dividend stocks. It found that all dividend-paying stocks average a 9.2% annualized return as compared to 7.9% for the SP500. It found that dividend growers were the best performing at 10.4% annualized, and non-dividend-paying stocks performed the worst at 4.5% annualized. And then here is more data from Ned Davis looking at annualized returns of stocks compared to how inflation was doing. So you can see that in low inflation times, most stocks do better, with dividend stocks averaging a crazy 16.9% annualized return and the SP500 at 15.2%. Then when inflation was between 2 to 4%, then all dividend payers averaged 10.5% as compared to 8.6% for the SP500. And when inflation was over 4%, then all dividend payers had 7.1% annualized returns as compared to 6.7% for the SP500. Moving on, here's another interesting chart from Ned Davis showing how different stocks did during periods of rising tenure interest rates and falling tenure interest rates. So when interest rates are going up, dividend payers lagged a bit, returning 7.5% annualized versus 8.1% for the SP500 or 10.4% for non-dividend stocks. When interest rates are falling is when dividends get sexier, with dividend payers clearly outperforming. I think there are valid arguments why the Fed will keep trying to push us down to lower interest rates again, but I think you could also make the case that the national debt and its cascading implications could force us down a path of higher rates. Either way, I think 2025 to 2035 could be a good time for dividend investors relative to non-dividend investors. Now, before I close this off, I wanted to share another troll comment I recently got from someone who said dividends are meaningless. Either value is extracted and given as a dividend, or it's put back into the company and its share price rises. I think it can be fun to respond to trolls sometimes, so here goes. First of all, dividends are not meaningless, and I don't think that 80% of Fortune 500 companies would pay dividends if they were meaningless. Remember, there are two main ways companies return capital to shareholders other than stock appreciation, and that's via dividends or stock buybacks. And for reference, in 2023, the SP500 paid out $588 billion in dividend payments to shareholders, an increase from the $564 billion they got paid in 2022. So do you really consider a half trillion dollars of capital returned to shareholders via dividends as meaningless? Second of all, when cash is put back into the company, that does not mean share price has to rise. Now, if the company allocates their capital intelligently and their investments lead towards earnings increases, then that should help push up stock prices over time, at least generally speaking. Anyway, it's not just me who knows that dividends aren't meaningless. Take a look at what Warren Buffett wrote in his 2022 annual Berkshire shareholder letter about dividends. He had a section titled Secret Sauce, and he called out Coca-Cola, stating, Dividend growth occurred every year, just as certain as birthdays. He said the cash dividends that Berkshire got from Coke in 1994 was $75 million worth, but by 2022, their Coke dividends had increased to $704 million a year. Buffett also mentioned how their American Express dividends grew from $41 million a year up to $302 million a year in that same time frame, and he said it's highly likely that their dividends will keep growing. But he also said that those dividends, while pleasing, are far from spectacular, but they bring with them important gains in stock prices. So again, I ask you, are dividends meaningless? To continue on Buffett's take on dividends, watch my video I did called Why Berkshire Hathaway Will Eventually Pay Dividends, where I showed clips and told you how Buffett has said that there are times when a company should pay out a dividend, and he highlighted Seas Candy as a company that should pay out dividends if they weren't part of Berkshire, because they generate more cash than they could use effectively to grow their business. Buffett said that Seas doesn't have the need nor the ability to use all the large sums of money they earn to grow their business intelligently, which is why it would be an enormous mistake for them to retain and invest their surplus cash. But since Buffett is the master of capital allocation, he feels he can invest Berkshire's profits better for shareholders rather than return it to them directly, which is why Berkshire currently does not pay a dividend. 
However, Buffett also said that the day will come when Berkshire's management will pay a dividend, specifically when they don't think they'll be able to create more than a dollar of market value for a dollar they retain. So again, do you really think dividends are meaningless? Okay, maybe you don't believe Buffett, but listen to what McKinsey & Company wrote, aka the most prestigious consulting firm in the world. They said, most successful companies eventually find themselves generating more cash than they can reasonably reinvest in their businesses at attractive returns on capital. Consider this example, a company earning $1 billion a year in after-tax profits with a 25% return on invested capital and a projected revenue growth of 5% a year needs to invest about $200 million annually to continue growing at the same rate. That leaves $800 million of additional cash flow available for still more investment or returning to shareholders. Yet finding $800 million of new value-creating investment opportunities every year is no simple task in any sector of the economy. Furthermore, at a 25% ROIC, the company would need to increase its revenues by 25% a year to absorb all of its cash flow. It has no choice but to return a substantial amount of cash to shareholders. Returning cash is inevitable, and they can either do it via dividends or via share buybacks." End quote. My TLDR is no, dividends are not meaningless, and no, putting money back into the company doesn't always mean the share price rises, and it sometimes makes more sense to return cash to shareholders rather than always reinvest it into the business. The reality is that my meaningless dividends will continue to allow me to remain retired early by paying all my bills, including groceries and the mortgage and insurance and etc., and I'm confident dividends will continue to pay my family's bills once I'm six feet under. I'm pretty sure that most of my companies will continue to pay out dividends to my future generations, and that alone brings me joy, especially because they don't have to know anything about stocks or trading or whatever. Now I'll accept that my troll thinks dividends are meaningless, and I'd recommend he continues to learn more about them. Maybe reflect on why Zuckerberg just pushed for a dividend at Meta. Maybe because it's not meaningless? And regardless of what you think, I'm curious why you'd spend your time leaving a comment like that on a dividend investing channel. Like I don't go on channels dedicated to investing in gold and then leave something negative about them. I mean, do you really think your comment will influence me to wake up and go on a different path than what three decades of investing has taught me? Fascinating if so. Whatever your motivations are, I wish you the best and hope you find an investing strategy you like regardless of what I or anyone thinks about it. My dad used to tell me that the stock market was like gambling, and so I get it, everyone has an opinion. I personally don't care if you invest in pork bellies or Bitcoin or stocks or whatever. Just educate yourself and then do you. Don't worry about what anyone else does. Okay, I've derailed enough, so let's get back to the topic at hand. Now I think most of us are aware that more and more financial people seem to think that we're in an everything bubble, all of which could mean a material and protracted correction in the markets could realistically happen. The worse the overall markets do, the more powerful the returns from dividends become. And blue chip dividend stocks tend to lose less in down markets, further making the case for why the next 10 years could be the decade of the dividend. We've gotten into this bubble for a bunch of reasons, including from years of easy access to cheap capital that's caused increased risk taking and allowed for lower quality businesses to flourish. Thus, I doubt we can sustain 10% market returns going forward given all the headwinds. And someone who has looked a bit deeper looking forward into the future is the CME Group, but they think the next decade will be tough on dividends. Their data shows SP500 annual dividend index future contracts extending out over time, which lets investors get a glimpse into what current sentiments are of the future of dividends. What this shows is that investors expect near zero growth in SP500 dividend payments over the next decade, and if you couple that with inflation, then things could hurt. But I personally think there's a higher likelihood that this will lead to stock market going sideways, not dividends going sideways. Thus, I wouldn't be surprised at having another lost decade, and frankly, that seems more and more likely, and there's no type of stock that I'd want to hold more than quality blue chip dividend stocks if that does happen. But again, none of us can consistently and accurately predict the future, so take that for what it's worth. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to continue to stay invested in my dividend stocks, and I'd bet they'll keep paying me a share of their profits. And with that, I'd like to do a shout out to Paul Smith, who's my latest Patreon king who just signed back up. Paul was actually a Patreon king once before, and then he gave up his spot, then recently snagged it again when another king gave theirs up. And here's part of our Discord chat from a few days ago when I noticed that Paul signed back up again. 
He said, refreshing the Patreon page multiple times a day like a lunatic finally paid off. The reason he said that is because Patreon won't notify you if a new seat is available, so the only way folks can grab one is if they refresh the page and find out. Feel free to check out my Patreon page to see all the perks each tier of my Patreons get. However, since my aristocrats and kings are usually sold out, I can instead recommend that you join my channel as a Gen X partner, which gives you a variety of perks, including a badge icon by your name when you leave a comment on my videos, and is a badge which levels up over time. Regardless of what you do, please hit that thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click the bell notification. Also consider using my Seeking Alpha affiliate link in the description of this video, as using it often comes with benefits for new member signups. Finally, don't forget to join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has over 11,000 dividend investors on it from 80 countries around the world. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, and my videos are for entertainment and inspirational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I'm only sharing my opinions with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.